Thank you for tuning in to Tech United on Tap, brought to you by Tech United New Jersey. You're listening to a special episode from our Propelify 2020 series, and you can find more episodes like this on our website at techunited.co. That's techunited.co. This talk debuted at the fifth annual Propelify Innovation Festival in October 2020, where our mantra is to propel ideas into action. Enjoy it, and be sure to subscribe to be notified when new episodes go live. I am especially excited about this next session. I got to know James Ree maybe about a year ago at an event where um, he was giving one of the more inspirational talks that I've heard in a long time, and we quickly connected, and I'm just so proud to welcome him to the Propelify stage, unfortunately virtually this year, but still so excited to have him. And he's brought along with him a rock star to drive this conversation. Let me tell you a little bit, little bit about James, though. James was the CEO of Ashley Stewart until recently. He leads Firepine, which is a very active investment um, arm. So if you're looking for early stage capital, if you're a tech company growing, look into Firepine. He's on the J.P. Morgan Chase Advancing, Pla- excuse me, Advancing Black Pathways Council. He's a senior fellow at MIT Center for Leadership. He's also got some amazing credentials from Harvard. James, thank you so much for being here today. Really, really appreciate it. Aaron, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. And so James brought with him uh, Kathleen Trigg-Jones, who I think matches James, maybe bests him a little on some of her credentials. <laughs> but I, I am really excited for the conversation. She's an Emmy Award-winning journalist. She's a talk show producer, a talk show host, a producer, a philanthropist, an actress. She's been on more than a dozen TV shows and films, including Power, Madam Secretary, House of Cards, Homeland, and more. She's the founder of iWoman TV, Catscape Productions, and Trig House Incorporated. Kathleen, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Aaron, it is a pleasure to be here today. I'm going to hand it over to the two of you. I'll be back in a little while, but I'm really psyched about this conversation on the future of commerce, designing communities in a fractured world. You know, we need to be thinking about how inclusion and justice plays a role in commerce, in our companies. And I know James, you know, leads with this as a, as a talking point. So really excited to see how this unfolds. I'll see you both in a little bit. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Aaron. Well, let's dive right into it. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for uh, being here today, taking time out of your day. I know this is the end of your day, so we'll try to make it really exciting and drop a lot of nuggets that I think you can take with you. Um, there is no one I would pref- I would rather be sharing the stage with than James Ree. Uh, James is my friend. He's an author. He's a speaker. He's a teacher. He's a motivator. He's a businessman. He's an investor. I mean, the list can just go on and on and on. But most importantly, he is just a really good human being. And I think that's what I really appreciate most. Um, so thank you, James, for uh, allowing me to share the stage with you today. And uh, let's just jump right into it. A lot of people know you from, um, from Ashley Stewart, where you've spent the past seven years of your life, not just coming in to run a company, but coming in to completely transform, rebuild, um, undo what was not working and redo this company, uh, making it a very successful worldwide global brand. Um, let's start right there, you know, because I think that what you've done is nothing short of amazing and, and people need to understand why you did what you did and how you did what you did. Well, thank you. Uh, and thank you for your kind words. Uh, and I think it leads to your question. A lot of the motivation seven years ago, because people always look at me a little bit funny and they say, what's this private equity investor, Asian guy, Boston doing 
spending the last seven years running a black woman's business, um, it was plus size, but it was really, I think the defining characteristic was it, that it was for black women. And that's where it came from. It was less as a capitalist. It was more as a human being. Just uh, we all know that it's not easy for many people, races, women, men have it hard too in a different way. It's hard. But I think it's fair to say that black women, um, size 12 and up in moderate income neighborhoods, that maybe that that existence is sometimes difficult and stressful um, day to day and systematically. And so that's what I saw in Ashley Stewart seven years ago was that there was a company that metaphorically catered to this woman. And for the first 20 plus years, it kind of lived that life. It struggled. It was, there was no long-term plan. There was no technology, no access to technology, no access to financial capital. And I looked at it really as a metaphor in a lot of ways of our country. <laughs> and I think that metaphor is hitting people harder now, post George Floyd, during a very fractious election period that uh, maybe our society all isn't well, particularly in our society. And so seven years ago, I said, maybe if there was a way to take this company and to make it thrive, maybe that people could look at it and say, maybe you can do really well economically by doing really well socially. And, right. and that's what I endeavored to do. And you know, we can go into it. It's been pretty well publicized, but really the key for this audience that's listening, I really recalibrated the importance of financial capital and social capital. And I think what you're hearing a lot in our society today is that capital is often just defined as money. Right. And there's a lot of money right now. People are stroking checks. The Fed's printing money. But social capital is getting and has been getting perhaps pulverized and maybe distorted through social media. And people don't, people are undervaluing it or distorting it. And that's what we did. We said maybe if we could play by this woman's rules, her social capital, and then infuse the right financial capital rules in there with some heady marketing, that we could create a community. And I think that's what we're talking about today, that um, you don't need to have the biggest razzle-dazzle technology and a tons of financial capital to really explode social capital, which I think is what really has value. Right. You know what I've always found interesting about the Ashley Stewart uh, you know, turnaround is that you didn't go in there actually to turn it around. You went in to help shut it down. And once you got there, you listened. You took the time to really invest in the people, in their stories, in the human interest aspect of this brand and the need in the community. And instead of shutting them down and taking them through bankruptcy, you turned the company into, I believe it was a $200 million empire in a couple of years. <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 I think it's a good lesson for us all to, you know, we hear words like vulnerability and listening and empathy these days. But yeah, like seven years ago, what did I know about fashion, about being a CEO? I was a dorky private equity guy, right? It's, um, I'm not black. I'm not a woman. If I went in there doing anything other than listening, it would have been hubris. And it was really just going in and just trying to really think about what her life is like, what was important to her that had nothing to do about clothes, like what was important to her. 
And I think that we can all empathize on a human level, right? I'm a son of immigrants and I often used to tell uh, black women that they reminded me of my mom. <laughs> like hardworking, wearing a lot of hats, didn't get a lot of credit, but there was a really quiet dignity and fight and resolve that they had. And I admire people like that. I think with this startup community, who doesn't admire qualities like that, right? You have to have pluck and you have to have real fight in the, in dis, and you have to sort of swallow despair and have, and trudge forward. And I saw in these women just millions of entrepreneurs in life and I wanted to back them. And I really got very convinced that they deserve to have a real shot at winning. And so we teamed up together. I mean, she shared her skill sets. I shared mine. And uh, we pulled off a bit of a miracle. And for those listeners who don't think that doing good can means doing well financially, um, go pick. we did very well financially. But that wasn't the intent at all. Well, well you certainly changed my perspective as a businesswoman, as an African-American woman, and as well as, you know, so many others, I, I have had an opportunity to sit in the audience and listen to you teach. You uh, do a significant amount of teaching students, both from the Ivy League level uh, to the HBCU, uh, Historically Black mm -hmm. Colleges and University level. And the message is very clear and it's the same across the board. Um, and that is, you know, that uh, human interest you know, comes first and, and, um, and that the key to any business is really understanding the human being, that person. Business relates as, it, as to people because you're, any business is serving a person. Who is that person? And, um, and so tell me about that a little bit. Uh, you, you've been traveling around a lot. You're yeah. doing a lot of speaking, a lot of teaching. And what are those, those tricks or those tools of the trade that you want to leave on people? Yeah, I, I, I authored a class called Money, Life, and Joy. And I teach it at Duke. It's been five, six years now at Duke Law School and Entrepreneurship School. Um, it's what I did at Ashley Stewart. I wanted to, and I guess it worked, you know, but I've done it in other consumer brands too, Meow Mix and Murray's Discount Auto Stores, Ultra Diamonds, a lot of soulful brands. That's what I invest in. Um, yeah, like it's when you focus on transcendent things that, and which means not focusing on your own insecurities and your own ego, you can see things very clearly. You can see what the ethos of a brand is, what the ethos of a person is. It's when we don't have our own stability, you start putting other things on people and brands that you are superimposing your judgment, right? And that's what I teach. So the class really is about design of business. It's design thinking for business, for lack of a better word. So people get very emotional, it during the course. I mean, I train uh, companies as well to do this. Um, part of it is diversity inclusion, but that's just a subset because it's really branding, right? It's human resources. It's um, the positioning of your company. Um, yeah. So like half the class is your mental mindset about how you're approaching problem solving. And then once you figure that out, you'll find that the marketing, uh, viral marketing, it just explodes. It's also incredibly cost effective. You don't have to spend as much on paid channels, on paid marketing channels. You let people market for you. Uh, 
it's incredibly expensive to market these days, to market yourself. Like we were talking about uh, TikTok and Instagram. It's just incredible amount of content. And this strategy is much more about being precise about what your content should be and letting people really explode it for you. And then like, I think on the other note, like why live life trying to make a lot of money killing people? I, I, I really, that's not the life I wanna lead. I don't think that's the life that most people wanna lead. So if you can find a way to make, do well financially and make a lot of money for your employees too, and do it in a way that is positive for humanity. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Because I think it's actually good business too. Um, right. You speak a lot about growing up, and you mentioned it a little earlier about your mother and that special relationship that you you really had with your parents and watching them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they are uh, you're the the child of two immigrants, and you know, success wasn't necessarily a given. You had to work really, really hard to get to where you are. How has that impacted the businessman that you are? Uh, I never take anything for granted. And I always look at everyone with those lenses that, that they are the child of someone and that they're trying as hard as they can in an incredibly difficult world, right? Um, it's, it's that. It's, I think it's empathy and it's also compassion um it's also love i mean i love people and i can say that and just because i'm good with money and investing that doesn't mean that i'm embarrassed to say that i love people i do um and so yeah i've never forgotten that and you know i think immigrants or um they're sort of first they're they are the biggest entrepreneurs, right? You can't be more of an entrepreneur in life. I think that's one of the reasons why I really grew to admire my predominantly black employee and customer base. They are entrepreneurs in life. Um, But I've done this with super white businesses too that are uh, barely graduated from high school, white guys in the Midwest that they have a business and they are the predominant employee and customer base and they're entrepreneurs in life too. And so my hope is like one of the reasons why we're talking on this is that I want all of the entrepreneurs that are listening that if I were you to try to get as much market share as I can for my startup, be truthful and true to your core customer base, but why not aspire to incredibly transcendent values that appeal to a lot of people? Why limit yourself to one audience? And that's one of the things I was proudest of with um, Ashley Stewart is that it was 100% black when we first engaged in terms of the customer base. But by the end of it, it was 30, 40% white women online who really admired the mission of the company. And even though it was uh, very, I wanted to make sure that it was a black woman's world. But it was, a, it was appealing to a lot of people, including, you know, this person um, that you're speaking right. to. So it really helped grow the business. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I do want to get back into Ashley Stewart. And I don't want to completely make this all about Ashley Stewart. But I think it is it's just a testament of the businessman that you really are. And, and you know, when you went in there, um, we joke a lot about the fact that you were an Asian guy going into this business that catered to plus size African-American women. You knew nothing 
about that um, audience. And you didn't walk in there and try to proclaim to know everything. Instead, you walked in and you did listen and you got to know them. You didn't just get to know them though. You became a part of them. You became their family. You became their best friend. Um, you understood their spirit, their soul. And, I, and I, we talked earlier about how you really have kind of coined or mastered the practice of connecting math with the soul or the soul of math. Yeah. And is that really what you think was the key there? Really understanding the needs, not just of the customer base, but the women who work there really were, they are the customer as well. Look, the women that work there will always be my family um, for the rest of my life. Uh, Ashley Stewart happened to be the first vessel that we connected with, but like any good friendship, friendships always last and they endure and they go into other vessels all of the time. Uh, yeah, like it was, it's humanist capitalism. And I think if you think about the best brands in the world today, like even beyond race, they are humanist in nature. And that's why I mentioned like there's a whole Stanford D school and it's, can you be left, right side brain? Can you see the art in math? Can you see the, the numbers in a human being? <laughs> right. Can you communicate in, you know, there's this uh, different types of communities, right? You have, a, can, you, can you bond enough with your customer employee base to speak three languages at the same time? I mean, you can call it GIF, meme, short video, long form video and fashion or product, you have to be able to be flexible in how you're communicating with someone and be able to talk shorthand. There are a lot of tech tools now that enable you to connect to customers more frequently or to your friends more frequently, but it leads to proliferation of garbage too. So I think real soul, you can convey five different things with one image with no words like and how do you do that and we all do that with our significant others or your best friend right like can you do that and that is the art and the skill of building a community um right. and it has to be profitable <laughs> i mean right. and that's it has to be profitable i mean that's the other thing i'm a businessman too and um we all know like you never like to be in a position in life where you're relying on someone else to fund your community right and you, you took this outside of just the walls of Ashley Stewart. You saw this, I think you, in one of our earliest conversations, you know, we looked each other in the eye and I said, you know, this is not just a clothing brand. You know, this is a, um, this is content. This is a village. This is a community. Um, and how do you reach that community and, uh, and show them that you're one of them? And you did concerts, you did, um, a whole tour, finding Ashley Stewart. You really uh, transformed this brand. And I think for those that are um, listening, and, and like we said, that the title here is The Future of Commerce, Designing Communities in a Fractured World. Well, there's no more fractured world than the one that we're living in right now. And, um, and I just you know, really love the fact that you were able to do this during the time that that business was really in a from the time you started to the time you ended, it was fractured, you know, and you brought it through. Well, look, I think that's now that in this world, people understand better. Like seven years ago, I got a fair amount of 
ribbing slash ridicule for leaving my Boston world and my private equity world and sort of taking this project on because it wasn't prestigious. And um, there are a lot of loaded sentiments in those in comments like that. But um, for those of you who don't know me, like I taught high school after college. I went to law school to be a public defender. Mm. I don't know. Like I've lived my life. And I've lived the life that I've wanted to lead. It's generally been an advocate uh, for people um, in almost anything. So yeah, like it's, um, I hope that capitalism and commerce can be a channel by which people see similarities with each other and do its job that way. My hypothesis, and it's played out in my investment career and CEO career, that you get rewarded financially when people feel that way. It's, and you grab market share from people. Um, I think there's more attention now. You have the business roundtable came up with different declarations on maybe Milton Freeman wasn't right and that there are other constituencies. You've got some other people now saying that capitalism should be explicitly anti-racist. You've got other people saying capitalism's dead. Right. And I don't believe that to be the case. I I would say that maybe in the failure of uh, our public institutions perhaps to do some things that they should be doing better, that it is incumbent upon private enterprise to to do a little bit better. Right. And, Any regrets? And, uh, you mentioned some of the, the ridicule or, or comments, you know, what are you doing, James? This is not, you know, your lane. But do you have any regrets for the way that you spent that time? No. In my 40s, I made, you know, you know how we always think about your childhood and when you had time and you make real friends? Yes. It's very hard to make real friends in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, because we're all running around with our head cut off and busy and you don't, like there's a there's a deficit of trust um, in adulthood generally, right? But now in this Instagram world we live in, there's perhaps less of that, even less trust. I made so many real friends in my forties, and um, I feel very fortunate about that. Like I had no business having the right to do that again, but they got James, ten year old James, ten year old Hart, but they got. Uh, 50-year-old James Brain <laughs> skill set Rolodex, right. but they got the 10-year-old heart. And I'd much prefer approaching the world that way. And um, a lot of the entrepreneurs in the audience today, like, uh, like no passion, you won't have success. Like, and I think that if your passion is to fix a problem, to solve a problem, like a real problem, you will have success because people will want to help you, right? Not just with money, but with their time. Right. And, you know? it, and it also boils down to trust, which is something that you and I speak a lot about. Um, without trying, you built trust with a whole community of, of women, um, mostly African-American women, from celebrities to the, to the workers. Um, you know, it left such an impact on you that you mentioned you want to still work, even though you've now left the company, still want to work on behalf of those that you built those relationships with. You want to give scholarships um, to their children, to the workers' children. Uh, And I think that, again, is is, uh, just incredible. Well, look at our relationship, Kat. I mean, like, Aaron read down your credentials. I got all intimidated. I was like, oh, no, I didn't know all. I didn't know quite all of it. (laughs) I was like, holy. But it's, um, we're friends. Yeah. And 
That's it. And, you know, I, so many little vignettes. Like, it's like, I think that with trust, celebrities too, like, they're just, you're a person. I mean, it's, who can you trust? It gets lonelier and lonelier. Our world is getting lonelier and lonelier. So, um, yeah, like I think in my 50s, I'm just going to keep connecting all of my crazy worlds, my venture world, private equity world, my uh, teaching life, my, my wife's white, as you know, and my, you know, I'm Asian, my, I have a lot of black friends and like, why wouldn't I keep connecting all of these worlds? Because from a, from a business standpoint, I think it's a real arbitrage, right? Like that you can connect different worlds that seem so different with transcendent things and introduce them. And then where there's an overlap, I think that's an arbitrage. It's very hard to find spaces like that where a lot of people want to be. And I garner great joy from it. Like I think the parties that I go to, the concerts I throw, like, I always laugh. I'm like, look at how different everyone is here. It's like they would never be together. It's like, you know, it's in vogue and Lala comes, you're there. And then like my white friends are coming. And it's, yeah. I mean, I think one of my favorite things was keynoting uh, like Asian American month at uh, JP Morgan Chase last year. I had never done something like that for the Asian American community. I hadn't done that. And, um, I was invited to JP Morgan Chase by the leaders of the black ERG. And I got a call from the black leader saying the Asian people want you to meet you and to connect for you to lead Asian American month. And I said, and I laughed, I said, the black people are calling on behalf of the Asian person to talk to me. And I said, I'll come, but why don't you all come together? Why don't, why don't you guys come too? And I think that's, if you look at the future of our country and the demos and consumption and crazy rich Asians, Black Panther, like Just Mercy, like look at uh, Mulan, like think, think about these things. Like content like that is, it appeals to everybody. Do you, do you feel a sense of responsibility to your Asian um, community to, uh, to reach out and to, to do some of the same things that you have done in, in the Black community? In a sense, there's not a lot of people that look like you that are out there in front like this. Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's that's the it's an interesting burden, right? It's a burden and a responsibility and a privilege to do it too. I I'm coming to terms with all of that. I just did it didn't I didn't grow up with that much of an Asian American identity. It wasn't necessarily how a top adjective, but for good or for bad, sometimes I have mixed emotions about it, but when people see me, they see an Asian face. Right. You know, and I'm like, okay, that's just reality. And so, yeah, like, I think that I've been getting increasingly more inbound emails and things like this saying, oh, it's really nice to see someone that looks like you talking about civic duties and leadership and the future of capitalism. And look, I'm not race naive, but I guess I'm more humanist in that way. Like, I, race is very important, but I think humanity is more important. So I always start with that. And that's why I always talk about kindness, math, joy, time. Like they never lie. 
Right, right, right. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. We, we're kind of wrapping up on, on the amount of time we have. You have so many things that are going on future-wise. You have a documentary in the works with Soledad O'Brien uh, producing. You have a book. You just signed with uh, UTA um, and for a talent um, contract where you'll be touring and giving the world a little more of you. What is next for you? Where, where is your passion driving you? I think it's uh, building, helping people build communities that are, serve a purpose, fix a problem, fill the soul, and are sustainable from a profitability standpoint. That includes communities, virtual groups, uh, media platforms, a couple of which I'm digging into looking, um, which we're going to get to, uh, brands, and like, you know, one of the reasons why you're here and like I have admired the work that you do is that you're building, you're a community builder too. I mean, I think you should tell the audience what you're doing with your initiative because it's an exciting community. It is, you know, I think um, we, we, I talked a lot about how, you know, much we've had in common in this space, but for me, likewise, I, I come from a fair, a very different, um, fairly broken, you know, background. And it's driven me to really want to make the biggest impact that I can with those who I think are the most vulnerable in our society, women um, and children, and particularly foster children. I started out in foster care myself. And so I do a lot of work through my foundation, Trig House, to help emancipated foster kids so that they don't fall through the cracks. And then this exciting venture that you and I are, are um, working together on is uh, iWoman TV. And that is a village for women. It's, it's really bridging the gap, making a, um, providing a means of distribution for all the female creators who may not necessarily get into the door at, at the major networks or at Netflix or, the, uh, or, or Hulu or the others. And so we're creating this village and trying to change the story, the trajectory um, for women through storytelling. And uh, so that's something everyone will be hearing a lot more about in the, in the coming weeks. And so your project, like something like that and your mission, when you ask, what am I excited to sort of lending a helping hand where it's needed or asked for, those are the type of things that I get jazzed about because it's, to me, it's the future of society, future of commerce, and it really solves a problem. It fills a need. And I think that God help us that there are a lot of things coming down the pike um, yeah, well, in our sad, sad little country that, um, that yeah, we, we could go on another hour, James. I mean, yeah. We didn't even get into this country and this, you know, where we are right now. Aaron, do I have time to ask this final question? Um, you do. Go ahead. Although I'm going to jump in with another, but go ahead. Awesome. Awesome. What are you doing and what is your organization doing to create a better future for all, James Ree? <laughs> I am doing my best to live a life where every hat, every thing that I do is to promote education, kindness, mathematically sound business, joy, love. And I don't think any of those things are contradict each other. I, I think from my experience over the last 50 years, I can't believe it's really going to be 50 years this February. Because um, you look 35. It's the, dim Kat, it's the dimples. It's, um, but it's, uh, in my experience, 
when you put those things in a blender and you do them well, it's really good business too, because there's no such thing as work. Like you just want to do it. So that's what I, everything I'm doing from the teaching. And I was very reluctant and hesitant to do the United Talent Agency because I was a private equity guy, serious CEO. I'm like, I'm not a media guy. And then I, but then I'm like, maybe I am kind of a media guy. And maybe that is a good way to get the message out that, you know, like when you feel despair and like Ashley Stewart was despair seven years ago in every sense of the word. But we managed to quote win on our terms. And uh, we weren't the biggest or the best or anything, but on, on her terms, our terms, yeah. I think that we had success. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I'm doing. And, and I'm, you know, with my friend Aaron, who's nice enough to invite me on to this festival, um, you know, this is what I'm doing. So it's future entrepreneurs. And um, even though I live in Boston, so much of my professional life's in New Jersey. And I'm joining the NJCU Foundation Board uh, because I want to keep my ties to New Jersey. And it's education for a lot of first-gen college kids. Like, I never want to not have that connection in my life. We're going to make sure you stay connected to New Jersey for, for the long haul. As, as Tech United New Jersey... We, uh, I think we have a long future together here. But you, know, you, you speak very differently than a lot of the, um, what is the stereotypical entrepreneur and, and business leader. And that's why I wanted to make sure we, we shine a very bright light on this story. Normally our last question is what Kathleen asked, how do we build a better future for all? But I think there's a different thread here that, that the three of us have in common, which is that we're all parents. And I, I wonder, and I think this topic about building a better future for all is on our minds all the time. And I wonder with each of you, I'll start with you, Kathleen, what, what are you doing? What are you trying to teach your children about how we can do better and what role they can play? Oh, wow. That's, and this, I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to actually ask James that, you know, what role does family play and in, in, in everything you've done, especially as an entrepreneur? You know, the thing is that I, for me, the most valuable lesson I can impart on my children is to be an amazing human being and to care. You know, they're exposed, they've traveled the world, they've had the, a great education. There's a lot that they will learn just through experiences, but being a good person is something that not everybody just naturally has inside of them. And so for me, I think it starts there, the way that you treat people um, comes back around to you. And so even in this crazy business world, and when you're an entrepreneur, you know, James will say you work 120 hours a week and those hours don't necessarily include your family. Um, and so it's, it's difficult being an entrepreneur, but I think if you can just reach back and just remember that at the end of the day, family is everything. Um, and, you know, just being that, that amazing human being out into the universe, that, that I think just is what life is really all about. James, how about you? And I think, by the way, I want to ask you, a, 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 in addition, I think there are some people who confuse kindness with weakness. Yeah. And, and look at this as all, you know, butterflies and rainbows conversation, but that's not really the point. But I, I wonder, you know, what, how do you instill that kind of, these kinds of principles in your children? Yeah, well, kindness, love, anyone who has kids knows it's the strongest love for your, that love, what you would do for your child. There's nothing stronger than that, I don't think, right? You'd jump over, you'd run into a burning building for it. So 
the things I get involved with, I love. My friendships, I love. My investments, I love. My employees, I love. The CEOs I back, I love. Like, why wouldn't, when I sign on a dotted line to something, they get the best me. They get all of it, right? And so why wouldn't you want to live life like that? Like, just, it's strong. Like, because you come up with things. Love is also egoless. I'm not a, you know, I wish I knew the Bible better, but I don't. But a lot of the um, the Psalms, right? Love is, uh, it's very strong. And when you combine it with know-how, like math and investing prowess and technology, like by definition, isn't it really strong? Like what I teach my kids too is this. This may sound a little odd, but as a capitalist, but it's, I think it's served me okay. I think it, to be of a mindset to have enough education and experience where I encourage them, and I've always done this, put myself in the most vulnerable position. Mm. I've traveled in places, I don't speak the language constantly. Like I've changed, quote, careers, teacher, private equity, distressed, CEO, like race. It doesn't matter. I like to go to places where it's, I don't know anything. And I watch people see how they interact with me. And you can see real strength in people who want to take advantage of it. And then there are people who don't. So what I tell my kids is that expose yourself to as many situations as possible. Live life really entrepreneurially, like your life, not just business, your life. And then when you get to a place, you can see arbitrage. And when you know more, by definition, you can make a margin. You can make a profit. You know more. But then at that moment, what I tell them and how I try to approach things, rather than sort of win once, what I tend to do is like I show it to people. I'm like, I'm, I'm ahead of you here. I know more. Do you see? Oh, I see. And then once you have that, then do it. Make a little bit less margin, but on scale with more people. And I approach business that way and I approach my life this way. Like, I don't want to win on a transaction. I kind of want to win in my whole life. And the businesses I've been involved with, they tend to do that. They, they endure, right? And that, well, is, that is trust too. Yeah. I, I, Kathleen's right. We certainly could go on for quite a bit longer, but I think I'll start to get yelled at from people who are virtually behind stage or backstage. But I really appreciate you both being with us here. Um, one of them's yelling at me now. Yeah. James, you know, and I want to really highlight this authenticity piece. When I first met you, James, there was this long line of people. I gave you my business card. And I remember I said, um, you said, oh, I don't have a card on me, but I'll, I'll email you tomorrow, which to me is like the kiss of death. Because I knew that meant there's a very low likelihood right. that that was really going to happen. And I said what I often say when that happens, which is like, are you really going to do that? Because most people say that and they don't. And I would really appreciate it if you would. And you like stopped mid sentence and you really like you kind of had that look me in the eye moment where I'm going to do it. And sure thing, the next morning, there was a note from you and, and it's been, you know, the relationship's grown ever since. But I think, I think that speaks so much to your character that you, you know, you do what you say and say what you do. And I really appreciate that. I, I also want to point out that um, I don't think an Emmy's in our future. Kathleen, not only with the pro with the questions, but has looked at the camera the entire time, which is actually a really strong skill in this Zoom world. I don't know if you picked up on that, but we're all over the place here. And she's like, boom. So if you're learning anything besides all this wisdom. I can, anyone out there who needs to make their Zoom life a little better, I can help. 
I know I <laughs> very well. <laughs> well, so, I really appreciate you you both joining us today. I, I think. And, uh, and Aaron, I think that yeah. James was supposed to dance us off of here. He's supposed to. <laughs> oh no, that was. He is supposed, so normally, normal. We'll start with what we normally do, and then we'll see. We'll see if we can get get James dancing. But normally, if we were in person. We would now get the, the audience to stand up. We'd high five each other. They'd high five each other and we're on our way. So since we can't do that in person, on the count of three, we're going to high five. One, two, three, boom. Now, James, if we can get you to dance off while I close this out, that would be extra bonus points. I'm just going to give you the, I don't think you want to see what I'm wearing waist down. So <laughs> I could give you the 1980s, like, I don't know. <laughs> It's the, can't really That's like the official Asian guy move, 1980s Asian guy move. It's the 80s, 80s Asian guy move. That's the best I can, the best I got for you. <laughs> That's and awesome. Thank you so much for a fabulous opportunity and good luck with the rest of the conference. Thank you so much. Thank you, James. Thanks for listening. Let us know your favorite takeaways on social media at We Are Tech United. Stay tuned. More of Tech United on Tap next.